Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you give them a call. Visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Keith Flaw, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. We'll be talking about public education in Florida. Erica Donalds is the founder of uh, uh, the Optima Foundation and uh, doing some great things with virtual education. We'll find out about that. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government. Uh, Seton will be joining us, as well as the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett, will be with us as well. It is October the 21st, and on this day in 1967, in Washington, D.C., nearly 100,000 folks gathered to protest the American war effort in Vietnam. More than 50,000 of the protesters marched to the Pentagon to ask for an end to the conflict. The protests were the most dramatic sign of waning U.S. support for President Lyndon Johnson's war in Vietnam. Polls taken in the summer of 1967 revealed that, for the first time, American support for the war had fallen below 50%. When Johnson administration announced that it was uh, asked for a 10% increase in taxes to fund the war, well, that didn't go over so well. Uh, the public skepticism increased. The peace movement began to push harder for the end of the war. The March on Washington was the most powerful sign of their commitment to this cause. The Johnson administration responded by launching a vigorous campaign uh, to restore public confidence in its handling of the war. The propaganda didn't go so well. The president even went so far as to get General William Westmoreland, commander of the U.S. forces in Vietnam, back to the United States to address Congress and the public. The effort was somewhat uh, successful in tempering criticism of the war. However, the Tet Offensive of early 1968 destroyed much of the Johnson administration's credibility concerning the Vietnam War. The protest was also important in suggesting that the domestic Cold War consensus was beginning to fracture. Many of the protesters were not simply questioning America's conduct in Vietnam, but the very basis of the nation's Cold War foreign policy. That happened on this day, 1967. Certainly remember that as part of my uh, early life. Well, this week's report on early earnings and inflations from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, a usual weekly earnings summary, contained bad news for workers. Median weekly earnings in quarter three, uh, 2021, were $1,003, just 0.7% higher than a year earlier, which is $996. Inflation was 5.3% over the same period, so after adjusting for inflation, workers are losing $50 $50 a week under Biden. Gas will go to $5 a gallon in the next month, and food prices are expected to rise by 10% over roughly the same period. All of this makes a mockery of the Biden administration claim that the higher inflation is a sign of strong economy. This is like saying that obesity is a sign of affluence and good health, which, of course, it's not. Worse news still for the White House. New polling finds 62% of American voters say the administration's policies are either somewhat or very responsible for increasing inflation, including 41% of Democrats and 61% of independent voters, and of course, 85% of Republicans. So, uh, Joe, it's on you. Uh, People are looking at you for this inflation problem. Could this lead to stagflation? This is deeply worrisome. The latest GDP now uh, estimates for the third quarter, July through September of 2021, show growth slowing to a snail's pace of 0.2%. That's barely treading water and quick uh, showdown, slowdown for the 6% growth of the economy that Biden inherited from Trump. That's right, it was operating at about 6%, the GDP growth, now down to 0.2% projected. The combination of 5 to 6% inflation and near zero growth is called stagflation. You know how we found that out? We went back to Jimmy Carter's years. When inflation ramps up, real growth stalls. That's called uh, stagflation by definition. Well, molecular, uh, molecular biologist Richard E. Uh, Ebright on Wednesday posted a letter from the National Institute of Health 
showing that the NIH grant did fund gain-of-function research to the Wuhan Institute of uh, Virology, contrary to what Dr. Anthony Fauci had testified to the Senate. Fauci testified to senators at a hearing in May that NIH was not ever and does not now fund gain-of-function research in the Wuhan Institute of Virology. He actually said that. In fact, uh, Rand Paul said, you want to take that back? You want to rethink that? No, I don't. That's what I mean, he said. Well, however, the NIH's uh, October 20 letter to the House Oversight Committee ranking member James Comer showed the NIH grant, which was awarded to Echo Health Alliance, and then subawarded to the Wuhan lab, funded a research project during 2018 and 19 that tested if spike proteins from naturally occurring bat coronaviruses circulating in China were capable of building to human ACE2 receptor to a mouse model. All that means the <laughs> translates into uh, gain of function. The letter added, if this limited experiment, laboratory mice infected with the uh, bat coronavirus came sicker, and if those infected with the weave one bat coronavirus, according to the Department of Health and Human Services, gain of function research is research that improves the ability of a pathogen to cause disease. Ebright tweeted that in the letter, the NIH corrects untruthful assertions by NIH Director Collins and NIAID Director Fauci that NIH had not funded gain-of-function research in Wuhan. Senator Rand Paul, who's questioning, had led to Fauci's denial that NIH was funding gain-of-function research at the lab and May tweeted, I told you so. Doesn't even begin to cover it here. He said there's more to the story. Senator Tom Cotton, who was mocked for suggesting the coronavirus might have escaped from the Wuhan lab, also weighed in on NIH's letter, tweeting, Fauci knew he should be investigated and prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. Dr. Fauci has yet to respond to any of this in writing. Definitely, he should be measured for an orange jumpsuit, but I suspect this will pass and uh, Dr. Fauci will not be prosecuted as he should for lying to Congress. That was a bold-faced lie. In fact, he actually told Rand Paul, Dr. Rand Paul, an ophthalmologist, that you don't know what you're talking about. Yes, he did. Well, yesterday, the FDA expanded its guidelines on who can get boosters and which ones. Adults who are at high risk over the age of 65 can get a booster shot from Moderna and Pfizer, and all J&Gs 18 and older can line up for the shot number two, as for anyone who wants to mix and match the vaccines, the FDA said, go for it. <laughs> no need to be Team Pfizer or Team Moderna. Next up, CDC is going to take a look at the FDA's move, and if it agrees, the boosters could be available within days. So that'll be Joe Biden coming back and saying, well, you know, you, we, we want you to get vaccine. Now we want you to get the booster or lose your job. I suspect that'll happen. The White House yesterday, the Biden administration announced it Plans to get 28 million kids aged 5 to 11 vaccine, uh, vaccinated. As soon as the FDA approves a shot for them, F, uh, Pfizer's expected the thumbs up as early as next month. Meanwhile, Biden's administration's planning ahead. It's already got about 15 million doses on standby. It has rallied thousands of pediatricians and clinics to gear up and, and get out the shots once they're approved. But don't worry, parents. Kids will be getting smaller doses with smaller needles. Lollipop sizes are expected to change. Aren't expected to change. Uh, this is just bad. It's giving kids uh, medicine they don't need and uh, forcing it on them, and not having parents okay this. This is just wrong. It's just wrong. The Public Interest Legal Foundation filed a lawsuit on behalf of the Virginia Public Policy Institute on Wednesday, alleging illegal absentee ballot procedures in Fairfax County, Virginia, in the 2020 general election. The move comes less than two weeks before the election day in the highly contentious gubernatorial race between Governor Terry McAuliffe and Republican nominee Glenn Youngkin. Uh, The aggressive move and action is addressed to address issues of election integrity in advance of the 2021 Virginia gubernatorial election in a preemptive legal strike it represents a marked contrast to the f- after-the-fact election integrity challenges made in 2020. This is a good thing. Fairfax County is not following the rules for absentee ballots. That, according to uh, the President, Christian Adams, said in a statement released on Wednesday, these rules exist to protect the rights to vote 
and must always be followed to ensure free and fair elections. Virginians deserve a gubernatorial election that follows the rule of law, he added. This is great. I'm just very pleased to see that this is happening before the election occurs. Yonkin, I, I believe, I'm hopeful that Yonkin will beat McAuliffe in this election. I think it would be a great canary in the coal, uh, coal mine for the uh, 2022 uh, midterm elections as well. Recent polls indicate the race is too close to call as McAuliffe's campaign is struggling with a series of missteps and Yonkin's campaign is surging, powered in part by parental anger over public education issues. For example, uh, McAuliffe said, the parents shouldn't have any say in what kids are learning at school. He actually said that. You think that's going to upset parents? I certainly do. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Keith Law, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social, a new refreshing social networking platform. You can download the app by visiting the website choicesocial.us. It's a great uh, Choice Social, terrific uh, social media website. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Erica Donalds. She's the uh, founder and president, CEO of Optima Foundation. Right now we have with us Keith Flaw. Keith is the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Keith, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, good to be with you, Bob. Thank you, Keith. Tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance. Well, we're a grassroots uh, coalition of well over 100 uh, different groups across Florida. Uh, currently have a support base of about 110,000 people. Uh, we focus on K-12 through education, uh, specifically uh, strong supporters uh, of uh, school choice, parental choice options, and, uh, of course, getting rid of the, 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 the uh, indoctrination that's taking place in our schools. Doing a great job, uh, and uh, I just encourage our, just please do go to the website, goflca.org. 
GoFLCA.com, GoFLCA.com, having terrific and positive influence in Tallahassee with our legislators. So, Keith, you're in Washington, D.C. Yeah, I came up here a couple days ago. The the weather's a little chillier than down our way. But uh, um, I'm up here for a a two-day conference with an organization called Frontliners, and they they are um, tightly connected with FreedomWorks. So it's been an interesting couple days. it's it's interesting yet to see you know some of what's going on inside the beltway here, so to speak. Yeah, so. yeah, I, I can only imagine. So, discuss your legislative agenda coming up for the twenty twenty two cycle for legislative cycle. Uh, what is basically on your plate? What are you thinking about? What would you like to see happen in the upcoming legislative session? Well, we have uh, an eight point agenda. Um, that begins with uh, stopping or getting rid of uh, critical race theory. Uh, actually, um, Representative Randy Fine and uh, Senator um, Gruters have filed a, what we think is a pretty strong bill. It's patterned after Oklahoma and, and Iowa law. It's called sexual and uh, racial discrimination. Um, we'd like to see a little bit stronger enforcement in it, but it, uh, it's, uh, in our view, it's an excellent bill. And it never mentions the three words critical race theory, hmm. but it precludes uh, you know, anyone on any government agency uh, from teaching you know, uh, you know, sexual and, and um, racial discrimination. So we think it's a powerful bill, and, and we'll be supporting it as it goes through the process. Great. There are some of the other items um, that that we were up in Tallahassee uh, last week, and uh, there's a number of bills that are uh, popping up that uh, we, some of which we think are good, and some of which we won't support. Um, the left has put up uh, Senator Cruz has put up a bill to turn um, the commissioner of education position into an elected office, like uh, uh, you know the um, agriculture. Um, mm-hmm. Commissioner is uh, Nikki Freed. Uh, we do not support that. We think that completely undermines the governor's role in education. Right. Um, I agree. Uh, S- Senator Diaz just came out late last week, and this was a bit of a surprise. We weren't really expecting this um, on the Hope Scholarship, which, we, of course, I think your listeners recognize. We've been very supportive of uh, expanding that and making parents aware of how powerful that is. But he's. Uh, cleaning up a little bit of the language, making it clearer. But what he really does is turn it into an education savings account uh-huh. where each student who qualifies gets actually gets an account that would accrue interest. And if they don't use the funds from one year, they can carry into the next year. So wow. it's uh, it's an interesting start towards, uh, you know, making every student uh, eligible for a, an education savings account type approach. Um, so I... Um, I'm pretty confident we'll be supporting that strongly. Now, is that um, that? That's kind of a, the uh, the front door into school choice, isn't it? I mean, it could lead to uh, parents basically saying, "Hey, we're not happy with the school that our kids are going to. We'd like to change schools," and that could lead to uh, funding that opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the Hope Scholarship. A parent who believes they don't have to prove anything they believe their child's being threatened or intimidated by literally anything on school property uh, can pretty easily qualify for up to eight thousand dollars per year to send their child to a private school of their choice so it's a really powerful option and uh, he's basically expanding it and uh, you know uh, that I think it's a great move fabulous uh, um, a couple other things on the agenda are local uh, and I know we're mostly um, you know, your focus is most, mostly Collier, but Collier and Lee County, um, Representative uh, uh, Spencer Roach has filed a bill uh, making uh, elections for school board partisan elections rather than today they're nonpartisan. Yeah. Uh, interesting approach, uh, and I believe we're, we're in the process of reviewing and, and analyzing that, but I believe... Uh, we'll be in strong support of that bill at this point. Well, I think that makes sense. You end up with uh, uh, wolves and uh, sheep's clothing. Otherwise, you have people yeah, who, for sure. <laughs> yep. who are uh, just dyed the wool uh, 
Democrats who are holding themselves out as being independent and uh, and even conservative in, in many cases, and then operating exactly the opposite way. So I think that that would be a good bill. Yeah. One other bill um, that's on our radar, it's on our eight item agenda, is uh, you know dealing with masks and mask mandates. And uh, Senator Keith Perry has filed a bill, a uh, four-page bill, that we think is uh, 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 very good. And so we'll be in strong support of that. That bill number for your listeners, if they want to check it out, is 452. Um, there's a lot of other things going on. There will probably be you know, 30 or 40 education bills filed this session. Uh, we have a team of now six people, including uh, Moms for Liberty has joined us to evaluate those bills. And we'll be posting action alerts on the ones we strongly support or strongly oppose. Wow. So Terrific. I, I suppose this mask mandate, this uh, bill would uh, prohibit masks in school. Is that, would that be the, the nature? Yeah, of it? it prohibits uh, any government, uh, any school board or government agency uh, to, to require masks. Uh, unless the legislature has specifically authorized it. Very good. Outstanding. So it puts it back in the hands of legislators rather than uh, what we just have experienced. Yeah, you know, you had a, a big event last week. I think it was last week. Chris Ann Hall was in town. Terrific speaker and, uh, and very oh, informative yeah. speaker. Uh, do you have more of those coming up? Yeah, we do. We have one coming up on November 10th. It'll be at the Silver Spot Theater. Um uh, with Bill uh, William Fetter, who's a, an, an author, historian, uh, writes, uh, writes history. He's probably one of the top two or three historians alive today in the U.S., and he writes history through a biblical worldview. So he's going to be there presenting. Um, we had 100-plus people show up for our last event. Uh, one of the exciting things we did and we're going to continue to do is we're offering uh, an essay contest to 11th and 12th graders and uh, the winner of each of those contests for the six series we're doing uh, will get a, a $1,000 scholarship. So on last week with Chris Ann, we handed out our first scholarship, and we're wow. looking forward to, to engaging more more kids in the process. Oh, that is outstanding. Keith Law, again, co-founder of a terrific organization, the Florida Citizens Alliance. I hope you'll support them. Uh, go to the website, goflca. Dot com. GoFLCA.com is the website. Get some tickets for the event coming up on November the 10th and uh, provide some support. Keith, I always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Sure. Um, have a great weekend. And stay warm up there in Washington, D.C. Thank you, Keith. All right, coming up, Erica Donalds. She is the founder and CEO of the Optima Foundation. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Lyndon and myself. Luke Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com. Or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Golfshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, 
It's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us Erica Donalds. Erica is the founder and CEO of the Optima Foundation. Erica, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Bob. My pleasure. Tell us about the Optima Foundation. Well, Bob, the Optima Foundation, I started a few years ago when I left the school board Um, because I believe that choice and competition for parents in the education realm is really what's going to reform our education system. Mm -hmm. And what we do is open charter schools and other schools of choice around the state of Florida, eventually nationwide, uh, in the classical tradition, meaning the classical model of education, which is more of a traditional great book style of education, de-emphasizing technology, re-emphasizing civic virtue and moral character, and the true history of our country and the world. And some great successes so far, of course, right here on the Paradise Coast. Recently opened up the Naples Classical Academy. It's uh, got your fingerprints all over it, doesn't it, Erica? And it has been a tremendous success. We are blessed, Bob. Naples Classical Academy opened this year with 1,000 students. Uh, We have about 800 on our waiting list for that school. It's K-10. It'll eventually be K-12. And our other two schools, Jacksonville Classical Academy and Treasure Coast Classical Academy, are also doing wonderfully. In fact, at Treasure Coast, we have 1,200 students. We have another 800 on the waiting list there. We're building a high school, and we're building a second location in Martin County where the demand is just through the roof. And the proof of the pudding is, of course, in the tasting. How are the kids doing with regard to their education in terms of tests and other measurements and criteria? How are they doing? Well, Bob, despite the pandemic where we saw tremendous learning loss and we're receiving kids into our schools, that are multiple grade levels behind in reading and in math. You know, the the traditional classical education that teaches explicit phonics, explicit grammar, uh, that doesn't waste any time on fluff or on wokeness uh, is is doing a tremendous job for these kids. We're seeing more than a year of growth, uh, even in a school like Jacksonville, which is more of an urban school and dealing with a very difficult population. You know, those kids are coming into us sometimes, Bob, three and four grade levels behind, but they are getting more than a year of growth in uh, receiving this classical education. And we know that that success builds upon one another. So here in our our third year at Treasure Coast, our second year at Jacksonville, we're going to continue to see those gains as the classical education really takes root. So I've been very intrigued by this. And by the way, full disclosure, I serve on the board of the Optima Foundation and very proud of it, very proud of the work that you're doing, Erica. Uh, we, there's a new uh, concept. It's called DOMI, uh, the Optima DOMI. Maybe you could tell us about it. I'm really excited about this, Bob, and I appreciate your support of it. Optima DOMI is a curriculum company that we've created to Uh, put together a virtual classical curriculum available to families both in Florida and eventually across the country in a public domain. You know, right now, Bob, there are virtual options for families. We saw during the pandemic, however, that they are not very high quality and families were not very satisfied with those options, Mm -hmm. but they want the flexibility of being able to school from home. Maybe they work from home. Uh, Maybe they want a flexible schedule with their children, or they just want to be more involved in their children's education. And the classical model is something that is going to change virtual education when we bring those two things together. Uh, So the great thing about Optima Domi, this virtual model, number one is the classical education. Number two is that the live instruction is delivered in virtual reality. A student puts on a headset, which we provide, and they feel like they are sitting in a classroom and they're able to interact with their teacher and their peers just like in a regular 
brick and mortar school. Wow. And thirdly, we're building this program so that students can do it independently. You know, parents complained during the pandemic that they had to constantly be a teacher to their children and they couldn't work uh, because the schools were not providing enough work. They were not providing enough instruction and the students weren't independent. But our program, classical program, delivering live instruction in, P in VR every day also allows students to work through their, their uh, content and their, their learning on their own in grades three to eight starting next year. That is just so exciting. Now, uh, is this pre-recorded? In other words, the uh, teachers delivering material or information, or literally do they have to show up on time? Is it going to be, uh, is, is it like just, just like attending a class? It is more like a school day uh, where students are showing up to class every day. That's the great thing about VR is that it takes what is normally a lonely experience in virtual learning mm -hmm. and turns it into a community experience where you have those connections that students missed so much when they were home. So it's different from other virtual programs that are self-paced that you're doing on your own. It's a very lonely experience and you don't get that expertise from a teacher, in, right. in this case, a classically educated teacher at the front of the room. Uh, so students are going to show up every day from 8 to 12 in half hour, 45 minute increments and have that live interaction with their teacher, the subject expert. And then they'll be able to go on their own and do their asynchronous content online as well in the afternoons. They will be recorded. So if a student misses a class, they can go back and watch it. Uh -huh. uh, but the expectation is that they will participate in the school on a daily basis. That is just so exciting, Erica. Now, uh, it's going to be available, you say, in Florida here in the next year? That's right. We have a virtual classical school called Optima Classical Academy, available on optimaclassical.org for enrollment right now. And this is a public option, uh, which is so exciting because it makes it accessible to all families in Florida. It doesn't matter where they live. They can enroll. There will be a lottery that takes place in early 2022. Uh, depending on the demand, you know, we'll do it the same as we do other charter schools, but all of the materials are going to be free to our families. Again, we will provide the VR headset to them. We'll provide all of their resources that they need, if they need paper books, et cetera. And we will make sure that these students are successful in the program. So in Florida in 2022, grades three to eight at optimaclassical.org. And we'll also be distributing this curriculum and making it available across the country, both as a public virtual option where available and as a private option. This is just so exciting. I mean, uh, how would you compare this to homeschooling? You know, homeschoolers are using these types of resources, meaning online programs, mm -hmm. a lot. We see a lot of homeschoolers using Florida Virtual School or they're paying for different online content if they're using classical content. So a lot of homeschoolers are going to see uh, synergies with our classical content, uh, but what's wonderful about it is that it's all set up for them, so they don't have to piece together a curriculum from different sources, mm -hmm. and they're also getting the benefit of a live teacher who has training in classical education. So while we see a lot of families who think that they can't homeschool because they don't have expertise in certain areas, they don't know how to put together a curriculum, this is going to provide them all the resources that they would want or need in order to school at home. Just a, there's a new homeschooling kind of uh, definition that is a little you know, different from the traditional homeschooling where the mom is the teacher the whole time. You know, we can provide a teacher, we can provide materials and resources and an entire program, and the families can uh, take that. It's publicly funded. And they're going to be able to have their children at home and be really involved in a great education for them. See, this just sounds so exciting to me. And with parents right now being up in arms about the critical race theory and some of the things that are being taught, gender, the gender spectrum and so forth, a lot of reasons for real concern about what's being taught in schools. This is going to be, a, I think, a pretty exciting alternative. Uh, you're limited, I guess, by the number of, by the number you could be in a class. Are you going to limit the class size? We are, and most virtual schools don't do that, Bob. They have very large class sizes because they're not depending on that teacher-student interaction, but we know how important that is for our students. So we will have smaller class sizes than a normal virtual school, more like a traditional class size. There will be students who choose to do asynchronous learning. They don't have to show up to class every day live, but we want to preserve that 
connection that teachers have with their students that inspire students to learn, to show up every day, and, and to excel in their studies. So it is a very different program, and we believe in school choice. You know, we want to offer different options that it's not going to be for everyone, but we mm -hmm. believe there's a real market for this, both in Florida and across the country, where, like you said, students are learning the true history of our country. They're not learning CRT. They're not being indoctrinated with uh, social, emotional things that are going on in our public schools, but we leave that to the parents, and we give them an amazing, knowledge-rich great books education that they really can't get anywhere else except in our brick and mortar schools, which as we've talked about are full with waiting lists. Yeah, exactly. This is just so exciting, Erica. And again, it's optimaclassical.org is the website. That's correct. That is where Florida families can enroll their children start today. Enrollment is open for next school year, grades three to eight, a free public option that is classical virtual and virtual reality and independent for their students. And I hope that these families will go and tell their friends and tell fellow teachers who might want to apply. Yeah, this is so interesting. And again, this is for Florida students only. So for the snowbirds that are listening and for people that uh, have uh, grandchildren or children they'd like to introduce to this, uh, it's just I think the one limitation is it's for Florida only right now. Otherwise, I just encourage all of our listeners to investigate and support uh, Domi uh, Optima Domi, and, uh, and you can find classical, uh, uh, OptimaClassical.org is the website. Right. Optima Domi, the curriculum, is going to be available privately across the country, Bob, and so OptimaDomi.com is where they can find information about that. Uh, but I would just appreciate so much you helping to spread the word to families about another great education option for them. Absolutely. Erica, just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the uh, Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. School choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America and is now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior schools of choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence serving kindergarten through 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. A perfect product of the process, Naples Classical Academy opened this fall and a classical virtual school, Optima Classical Academy, will open in 2022. Find out more by visiting OptimaEd.org. Help children in Florida optimize their education opportunities. Visit www.OptimaEd.org. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can get tickets now by visiting the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. 
Coming up, we're going to visit with the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Mayor Bill will be joining us right now. We have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Thank you, Seton. Tell us about Less Government. Uh, we exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government, and uh, very few other people do. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's is it a fantasy or is it something achievable? I hope it could help. Uh, I'm I, I've been leaning towards fantasy for about twenty years now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, nevertheless, a worthwhile goal. And uh, you wrote a column, really good. Corporate tax cronyism, small business pays, big business, especially big tech, doesn't. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah. This, you know. And I got yelled at on social media. Oh, they hire a lot of people. Big tech hires a lot of people. One, that doesn't justify them paying no corporate taxes when they're worth over a trillion dollars and make hundreds of billions of dollars a year. You know, that's absurd. You know, you're paying more. You and I are paying more because the government needs some money. Yeah. And, and if they're not paying any, we have to pay more. This is, again, where big tech, big business cronyism socializes the costs and privatizes the benefit, yeah. the profit. They get to profit all they want, and they don't have to kick in, and then all of a sudden we're like, wait a minute, we, we're paying more because of them? And this happens on corporate taxes. This happens internationally. I think you and I talked about this months ago. I wrote about how Biden spent his first six months of trade negotiations worldwide almost exclusively arguing for the end of the to, to end all the tiny tiny digital taxes that Europe and other places are placing on big tech companies Google and Facebook they're imposing a little tiny I mean it's a it's a minuscule percentage I mean it's like 10 billion dollars a year for Google which is nothing you know it's in fact it's in the millions not even in the billions I I wrote it months ago so I don't remember but it's in the millions of dollars a year for Google, which is worth $1.75 trillion. Right. I mean, it's, you know, they have it in the petty cash drawer. Um, and so they're getting protectionism from the government. The biggest companies in the world, in the history of the world, are getting protectionism from government, including on taxes both here and abroad. And one of the ones that's just really absurd, we hear about all this more, new money for, you know, to connect the unconnected, I think we discussed this, where 99.9% .9 of the country has access to the Internet. There's no unconnected in the United States. Right. Um, if you want satellite Internet, you can get it, and that's 100% of Americans. Everybody can get on the Internet. There's 298 million smartphones. They're all Internet connections. Um, you know, the, 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 this lie is just absurd. Anyway, the, the tax... They keep wanting to throw more money at it without no, without noting that the government already spends billions of dollars a year on this. Yeah. Um, remember the Obama phone during the Obama sure. administration? Absolutely. That was that's a government program that's funded in part by the Universal Service Fund, the USF. Hmm. Look on your tax phone bill, your next phone bill, whether it's a landline or a cell phone. You're paying the USF tax. Now, the USF tax goes up automatically every quarter of the year. Mm. It can also be raised additionally anytime three of the five Federal Communications Commission, or a majority, uh, you know, depending on what the, right now it's two to two, so if they voted three to one, it would be, they could raise taxes, the USF tax, all by themselves again. Mm. And then it'll still go up the following quarter. The second quarter of this year, the Universal Service Fund tax was 33.4%. Wow. That, that's what you're paying on your cell phone bill for already existing, you know, universal service, which means connect everybody. Um, and huh. it's on your cell, it's on, it only, here's the fun part. It only applies, it's only imposed upon the, the companies that make it possible for us to connect to the Internet, the Internet service providers, you know, your mm -hmm. cell phone, your, 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 uh, your hardline, you know, Comcast, Comcast Xfinity yep. is taxed. Guess who doesn't get taxed? Big, big tech. Big tech, yep. Now you're punishing with a tax, a huge tax, 
the people who make the connection possible, the, the people who made Google, Facebook, Amazon, Twitter possible. Because you can't get to them without these people. You're taxing these people, wow. those people, the Internet providers. But you're leaving alone the beneficiaries of universal service, Yeah, the beneficiaries of everybody getting on the Internet. They're not building networks. There have been Google's messed with it a little bit. Facebook's messed with it a little bit. They both gave up because they realized it's, we're printing money here. Why are we going to actually do work? You know, building internet networks is not as hard work. Why would we do that if we've got this business model over here where we're printing money and doing nothing? I'm still so stuck on... None I'm of these st- companies contribute to the connectivity of America. We're taxing the crap out of the companies that do and leaving alone with this giant tax the, 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 the straight recipients of this largesse and of the of this of this universal connectivity, yeah, and you know, and again, why is the tax so freaking high? Because we're leaving out the biggest companies in the world from paying any of it. That's unbelievable. I'm still stuck yeah. on thirty percent. I just can't believe we're paying that. Uh, that is- oh, it's, it went up in the third quarter, and it's going to go up again November first. Oh, just that's atrocious. Oh no, it went up again October first. I'm sorry, I, I, I messed up my quarters. It went, it's, it's gone up twice from 33.4%. Wow. Seaton, this is just uh, disturbing information, needless to say, but it's better to know it than not know it, so I'm going to encourage our listeners <laughs> to go to your website, uh, lessgovernment.org, lessgovernment.org. You can also visit Less Government on Facebook. Seaton, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Ignorance is bliss. The left is ecstatic. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much, Seton. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. The dining scene in Naples is among the nation's finest. Get a first-hand experience with Naples Culinary Walks. Join a guided food walk with a terrific guide in a small group through elegant Naples neighborhoods known for destination restaurants. In three hours, you'll stop for small plates on your chosen tour. Dining walk choices include morning, afternoon, and evening offerings on 5th Avenue South, Downtown 3rd Street, Waterside, Galleria Shops at Vanderbilt, and more. Prices begin at only $46 a person, depending on the tour you select. To find out more and to make a reservation, visit NaplesCulinaryWalks.com. That's NaplesCulinaryWalks.com for a great value and a terrific dining experience. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on the board. They create policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative. And you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We have with us the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Hello, Bill. Hi, Bob. <laughs> How you doing, Bill? Good to talk to you. <laughs> it's good to talk with you on this uh, 
uh, pretty Thursday morning wherever you are, right? Yeah, absolutely. I understand you're up in Buffalo. It's getting pretty cold up there, huh? Well, it's, it's fall for sure. We went, you know, we had a beautiful, beautiful August to September. I mean, just spectacular. And, uh, and, and October as well. And then all of a sudden, uh, the bottom kind of dropped out and we said, okay, well, that's the end of that Indian, Indian summers, et cetera. But, uh, yeah, it's getting cool, and uh, uh, we're, we're ready to come home, no doubt. Well, we're looking forward to see you. So uh, the Naples Beach Hotel changed hands. Is that significant, do you think? I mean, uh, well, yeah, I, I think it's uh, extremely significant uh, that they can finally make some progress and start doing what they, what they need to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and I'm, I'm glad to see that deal. Uh, I'm glad to see that it went through. Now we just have to stand by and watch and, and see what goes on. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, uh, that, and that's a, that's a good thing. And I, uh, I see that, uh, we, we have a new interim city manager. Yeah. Uh, Pete Maria, our fire chief is going to take over, um, until they can, uh, find a city manager and, and, and who knows how long that'll take Bob. You know um, the, the the way they move. So, um, but Pete's a good man, and, and and I know he's he'll have a lot of help there. He can do it. So well, that's good news. I, I, I feel I feel good about that. Um, um, and uh, but there's really not a heck of a lot of good that's coming out of there these days. You know that I'd like to say to you, well, this happened and that happened, but they're talking about I I um, about the new uh, Heart Institute. Yeah. So that's and, a, um, that's uh, that would be that would be kind of sensational. I, I think that would be fabulous. There, uh, the issues are going to be, of course, the single family homes that surround it. Um, you know, they they have to, you know, be careful with that. And that what what they what the hospital is asking for is a change in zoning um, for higher building heights, uh, and and they want they want uh, council to make a new a new area so to speak, a new zoning area um, that, 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 is, uh, that the hospital will surround and be in. And um, so that'll be interesting to follow uh, what they're doing. And a couple of council members made, uh, uh, made some remarks about, you know, you have to make sure the homes near it are taken care of and protected. And, of course, yeah. I mean, that would go with anything like that. But uh, I think it's it's uh, it certainly would be state of the art, and certainly would be a big boost for us. It make it uh, uh, makes us more of a medical destination, doesn't it? When we have a heart institute here, where everything is seamless and flows from one department to the other, as opposed to running from one specialist to another at different hospitals and different buildings. So I think that's the concept, isn't it? Yeah, that's the way that 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 uh, that I see it. Everything is kind of under one roof, and uh, they will be bringing in some. Uh, not that we don't have them now, because we do, but they're going to be bringing in some some top rank, top ranked heart surgeons and heart specialists and 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 uh, people that deal in that. You know, from the from the specialists themselves to the equipment and the technology and everything else. I mean, it would be state of the art. Of course, you know, we're looking down the road for for, for quite a few years, but um, I think that the chairman, CEO Paul Hill, said that he'd like to see it. Completed by 2024, which I guess is not that far away. No, it's not. So the question I have, though, is if this is a, just, a, I think, a, a terrific recommendation and uh, initiative on the part of the hospital. Uh, however, requiring some real variances on the part of the city council in order to make it happen the way they want it, anyhow. Uh, I, I'm guessing you've reviewed it. Uh, any any thoughts? Or do you think that this could go through? I definitely think it could go through. I think it has to be done... Um, I think they'll they'll follow due diligence. Um, there, you know, there was talk. Well, do we need a new charter to do this? Um, uh, what have you? But uh, they, um, I think, council. The, the idea is out there, and they know what they're going to have to deal with. And I definitely think it's a possibility. Mm-hmm. I do. Um, I I think my biggest concern, um, were I mayor or on that council would be what they're saying, you know, the surrounding homes and the neighborhoods, how do you protect them and whatever. And I'm sure that they're, you know, with the talent that we have in this town, I'm sure that can be done. And I think that they are, um, 
that they'll make the juice worth the squeeze. Let's put it that way. So when when, so, you, when you talk about that, I, I guess it's uh, the the uh, not my backyard syndrome. Is that what's going on here? In other words, do some people would just prefer things to stay the the way they are, or what? What is to protect the homeowners? What what? Tell us more well, about that issue. And, and yeah, and that's the that's the that's the big question. Um, the way that it's done can be done to protect the homeowners um, to keep to keep the neighborhoods nice and everything else. Look, look what you ha- have there. If you go there right now, okay, mm-hmm. you have a mixture of, of some uh, single-family homes. Um, and, th- I mean, that's that's not a small building that we have there. Uh, NCH, of course, has expanded over the years, and you have Telford Center, and you have all that property there. Um, and it's still very nice, okay? Mm-hmm. Yep. So there's no reason in the world that it can't be done with uh, – with lots of beautiful landscaping, okay, and planned out so well as far as traffic designs go and everything else. You know, I'm the eternal optimist, Bob. You know that. Right, absolutely. Um, and, and I think it w- with careful planning and covering each base that needs to be covered, that's the big thing. You don't want to leave anything out of there. So I'm sure they will have workshops and groups and, um, and everything covered as they start to go through this process. And you and I can discuss it over the next uh, couple of years. No, no question. I get what they, I think the price tag is about one hundred fifty million dollars. Was that it? Yeah, what? yeah. That that's what it said. And then you know when you get a price tag like that, I you always probably have to add on a little bit, right? Well, especially with the cost of uh, inflation, with uh, building goods and so forth, they're just skyrocketing right now. Uh, metal. Yeah. You're not going to get any Christmas presents because your presents are stuck on a freighter. I understand that because that's what Linda said. They're stuck out there in L.A. and they can't be unloaded. Can you believe what's going on, Bill? It's just unbelievable. Well, it's not funny, but I mean, it's... um, um, And then you look at, at the employees. Did you see how many employees Amazon has projected to hire over the holidays? No. I... I mean, thousands. Yeah. Um, so you can't tell me today that you can't find a job, Bob. I, I, I'm not going to buy into that. Well, I agree with that. And the interesting thing is that uh, right now the governor of DeSantis has said, hey, look, if you need ports, if you need somebody to help distribute these goods and get them out of the, uh, off the ships, come to Florida. We have a couple of great ports here. You can come and, uh, and use yeah. those. Do you think the president's going to take him up on that? Well, I don't know why, why he wouldn't let's put it that way but then again you have to look at what we're dealing yeah. with but i i i think that any offer that that they were to get to get that to get these ships moving and to get them on uh, places that they can be unloaded i know there's a lot of a lot of uh cities that have big ports that could probably help out yeah but i think DeSantis was right on the money he said hey come on we, we can handle it we'll help you so put a couple of those guys in the water and send them our way now i don't know how easy you know it, it might sound better than it, than to do than it is because you know, how you take a freighter from from the port of L.A. and uh, that's stuck out there and get them to Florida and how long does it take and how to, and the semantics there's a lot of a lot of things we don't know there but I I love the idea I love the idea as well I guess the issue is kind of do we have the truck drivers do we have the means to transport the stuff once it's unloaded. Right. And uh, that's it's just an amazing thing, like uh, a few decisions, like higher unemployment for longer periods of time, just kind of right. throw the whole workforce out of whack for a period of time, and hopefully we can get this thing back to uh, back to normal. Yeah, I mean, I, I, there, there's certainly jobs out there, and you know, the thing with the truck drivers is, is they, I heard they are going to to lighten up a little bit on some of the requirements. Not that they wouldn't have to take all their exams and tests and everything else, but they're going to make it a little easier to do, and that would be great, because they sure do need truck drivers. Boy, they do indeed. Again, Bill, I always appreciate your commentary on the show. Uh, and, uh, looking forward to your return to Naples. Thank you so much for joining us. Bob, as always, thank you, and you have a wonderful rest of the weekend weekend. You as well. Thank you, Bill. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. Uh, Tomorrow, we've got a great guest. William Yateman is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. William will be joining us. Uh, Michael Cannon is director of health study policy studies at the Cato Institute as well. We'll visit with Michael. Tatiana Fortune is the director of the Golden Gate uh, Senior Center. Look forward to that conversation. It's just exciting things going on there, as well as Dave Bigo. Dave is the author of The Devil at Our Doorstep. He is the founder 
of uh, business executive management services, doing business in over 30 states with over 6,000 employees. Try, they tried to uh, unionize him by using, uh, I think, nefarious methods, and he ended up uh, prevailing over after a fight of two and a half years, and he wrote a book about it, The Devil at Our Doorstep. Always appreciate hearing from you about the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. BobHarden at Hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. Dot com.